first. I reckon transition back to the chairs we've had since we started um, uh, having morning tea in the middle of the service. So congratulations to all of you uh, for that. Uh, Lord, I just pray right now, God, open up our eyes, Father, to see what you want to say to us this morning, God. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you want to speak to each of us, God. I pray that... uh, Father, take the words that are coming out of my mouth, translate it into a language that people understand. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Next couple of weeks, oh, by the way, uh, in three weeks' time, we've got a guest speaker coming in, a guy called Keith Pelican. Anyone know Keith? Some people here may know Keith. Yep, Keith, I've got Keith locked in. Uh, from Brisbane. He'll be coming not next Sunday, but the Sunday after. Um, Keith's a, a, a great guy. Uh, we worked with him in a, in a previous church for a while. He moved up Brisbane and um, started a church in Ipswich. He's now uh, the community pastor in a church in Ipswich uh, up there. So he's basically he's out there in the community connecting with people and doing a fantastic job. He's, he's, well, I used to go and preach in his church and he actually had the front of a Harley Davidson as the pulpit. So you'd, yeah, it was awesome. So you'd stand there and there's this sort of Harley pulpit thing, and, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. But um, anyways, he's a fantastic guy and uh, he'll be coming in two weeks' time. Um, so please lock that in your diary. If you're going to do the uh, George Barner average statistic church attendance, which is 2.3 times a month or something, 1.6 now, it's going down. This is getting tragic. What are we doing with our lives if God's not that important that we feel like we can make it to two hours a week? Um, so if you're in that statistical bracket, though, can you make sure that that Sunday is the one? And then we can work out the 0.6 later on. Um, so, and it, technically it is next month, I think, when he comes. So it's the beginning of that new 1.6 times. So uh, don't think, well, I've got my 1.6 up now because I was here last week, this week. I don't have to come. Um, statistics were made to be broken, people, made to be broken. Um, I want to talk a little bit this morning uh, about what we would know as the parable of the sower. Everyone aware, uh, familiar with that story? It's in uh, Matthew, uh, Mark and Luke, all the, the, the those... Uh, Writers recorded Jesus as having shared this parable, what we call parable, a story that Jesus would share to teach people things. He would share stories that people connected with and he could draw spiritual truth out of them. And he shares this story here that, that is recorded in, in, in our, our Bible. Um, and we're going to have a look at Mark chapter 4 at the moment and sort of go through it over the next couple of weeks. I want to take some time with it because according to Jesus... This is one of the most important stories that he shared with the crowd. This is coming out of Jesus' own mouth. One of the most important things that he shared. How many of you know that one of the most recorded phrases of Jesus when he walked around on planet Earth doing what he did was this simple phrase here. When I say it, you'll know it. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Yep. If you've got a New King James or American standard, it'd be more along these lines. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It was one of the most Commonly recorded phrases that actually came out of the mouth of Jesus was this simple phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, have a think about that for a second. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's almost like, by implication, Jesus is saying to the audience, you've all got these flaps on the side of your head. Every single one of you do. But here's some news for you. Not all of you are going to use these to listen. Not everybody who has ears actually listens. So Jesus says, whoever has ears to hear, 
The question I think he's asking them is, do you have ears to hear, or do you just have ears to hang your glasses on? What's the purpose of these listening devices on the side of your head? And he says, he who has ears to hear, let him listen and understand. Jesus says this, I think seven or eight times you'll find Jesus saying this uh, in in the, the Gospels. It's interesting when you go to the book of Revelation, that chapters 2 and 3, when John is on the island and he has this vision, and that's what the book of Revelation is, it's a vision that, the, uh, that John, a follower of Jesus who was isolated on an island for his faith, he has his vision and he records it and we have it written down as the book of Revelation. And in chapter 2 and 3, as part of this vision is this rundown of these seven churches, seven areas, big geographical places, and the church in those areas. And he gives a bit of insight into these churches. But at the end of each one, he says this phrase, the same thing, at the end of each little bit that he says to the church, he says, listen to what the Spirit is saying and understand. This is directly in line with what Jesus Said Jesus, when he was here, said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's what he said. In other words, listen to what I'm saying. In the book of Revelation, after Jesus has gone, we've got the same thing, but this time it's, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Right? So Jesus is there going, you need to listen to what I'm saying. And when Jesus has gone, the Spirit of God is saying, you need to listen to what I'm saying. And this is directly in line with what Jesus taught when he was here in John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15. This is what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit that was coming. He said, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is going to actually be a guide. He's going to lead you. Okay? We're not orphans. We're not just here now uh, not knowing where to go. Jesus didn't give instruction 2,000 years ago and then stop speaking and go, now you're on your own, I'll give you a Bible, and that's all there is to it. No, no, the Holy Spirit is here and he'll guide us. He's going to guide us into all truth. He will not speak on his own. What does that tell you? Well, the Holy Spirit's speaking. He speaks to us. The Holy Spirit is saying things to us. He's speaking to you. You may not recognize it all the time, but the challenge is if you have ears to hear, listen. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. What's he saying to you about your life? What's he saying to you about your problems, about your situations that you're in now? Now, the Holy Spirit is here. He's with us. He's on the inside of us if we're believers. Uh, according to what, what Paul wrote in Romans, then the Spirit of God is inside of you. If you've confessed Jesus as your Lord and you've bowed your knee to him, the Holy Spirit's inside of you, and he's speaking. He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he has heard. So the Holy Spirit, it's almost like he's getting instructions from the Father, and he's down here and he's passing on those instructions, which again is directly in line with what Jesus did, right? Jesus said, I only say those things I what? I only say the things I hear the Father say. So Jesus is here on planet Earth getting instructions from the Father, teaching people. And now Jesus is gone, and so the Holy Spirit is here now getting instructions from the Father, teaching people, still speaking to us. He hasn't gone silent on us, but he's still speaking. He says, he will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about the future. He doesn't want uh, things to necessarily always take us by surprise. There's stuff about your future that he wants to unveil to you, wants to reveal to you, gifts, talents, dreams, visions, things that he has for you. He wants to speak to you. He wants to give you something to aim for, a target, you know? It's exciting living with God on the inside of us, living with the Holy Spirit. And he's trying to communicate these things to us. And he's speaking to us. He says, he'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. 
All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. So Jesus is down here saying to the crowds, if you've got ears to hear, listen, I'm trying to speak to you. He dies, he's resurrected, he goes up there, he sends the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is here now going, if you've got ears to hear, listen, I'm trying to communicate, I'm trying to speak to you. All right? I'm trying to say things to you. In Mark chapter 4, what we have written is the parable of the sower. Um, when, when this document, these, these, these documents were written, they weren't written with chapters and verses. Okay? That's all been put in uh, as it's been translated because it makes it easy for us to go to places and find things. But when, when Mark sat down and he wrote his historical document, he didn't put chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 1, verse 2. He didn't do that. That's all been added. All right? Now, if you have a look at Mark chapter 4, there's a real flow. We're not going to go over the whole thing, but there's a real flow from the start of 4 right through to the end of what we call chapter 4. Now, here's what I want you to do. When you get some time, go home, get a highlighter, and in Mark chapter 4, highlight every time you see the word speak, hear, listen, silence. And you'll see that there's a thread right through this entire chapter where Jesus is saying to people, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? What is the dominant voice in your life right now? What is the dominant voice in your world right now? So we're going to, we'll go a little bit more into to this and we'll unpack this over the next couple of weeks. But this is what the parable of the sower is about. It's about Jesus saying to people, be careful what you're listening to. Because the dominant voices in your life will be the ones that direct you. The dominant voices will impact your choices. What you listen to the most, what you allow to dominate your ears, the sounds, the noises, the voices that dominate, will begin to direct the choices that you make in life. And when your choices are being directed, your choices produce fruit. Now, how many times did Jesus say, I want you to produce fruit? If you go and look at, at the, the life and ministry of Jesus, fruitfulness was what he was after in people. I want to see fruit in your life. Now, we've got uh, friends of ours, and, and uh, we've had this little debate back and forth at times, and, and they'll, you know, they're, they're, they're sitting in church, and they're doing their stuff, and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll land on this word faithfulness. Go, but we're just being faithful where we are, and we're just being faithful, just being faithful. That's wonderful. Faithfulness is a wonderful thing. But Jesus says fruitfulness trumps faithfulness any day of the week. Any day of the week. You can sit there on being faithful, faithful, yes, but what's the fruit? In your life? What's the fruit in the world around you? What's being produced? Because fruitfulness is really what Jesus was about. And if you look at the parable of the sower, just to give you a quick broad brush, it's very simple. It's that important, this one, in fact, that Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 4, verse 13, this is what he says. He shares this parable. He goes, the sower goes out and he sows seed and so on. Then the disciples come and they go, dude, I don't get it. And he sits them down. And we know, as we know, he explains it to them. Now, there's very few stories and parables in here that are recorded that he explained. It, it tells us in Mark chapter 4 that Jesus actually explained all of his parables. It says that he explained them all to his disciples so they would understand. 
But they're not all recorded with the explanations in the Bible. So we still read some of them and we're listening to the Spirit trying to interpret them. But this one, he wanted us to understand it so badly that he made sure Matthew, Mark and Luke, there was an explanation. So we don't even have to think about it. This parable is a no-brainer. No-brainer. A guy goes out and he scatters seed. Some falls here, some there, some there, some there. And he talks about what happens with the seed, how it grows up. And this one produces nothing, this one nothing, this one. And he makes special mention of the fourth one. He says it goes into the ground, gets deep roots and produces a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So one of them produces an incredible amount of fruit. The other three, not so much. But one of them produces great fruit. In Mark 4.13, this is what Jesus says. He says this to them. He says, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? If you don't understand what I'm trying to teach you here, how will you understand anything else I'm trying to teach you? In other words, there's something so foundational in this parable. There's something so foundational in what I'm saying to you here that if you don't get this, you're going to struggle to get just about anything else that I have to say. If you don't understand the principles I'm trying to bring out in this one, that I'm going to go on and explain to you as simply as I can. If you don't understand this and you can't grasp these principles, you are going to struggle with just about everything else that I teach you. If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all other parables? And he starts it in Mark chapter 4, and verse 3, with the word listen. Now, another interesting thing, you can go back and look at the other parables and teachings of Jesus, and I don't think you'll find anywhere he specifically starts with the word listen. That's a strong word, listen. In other words, I want your attention. This is how important this is that he's about to teach. I want your attention. I don't want, I don't want you sitting there and let what I'm saying be some kind of peripheral noise in the background. No, no, this, what I'm about to teach you, I want you to listen. It's got to be the forefront of your attention right now. I need you to hear what I am about to to say. In other words, he's saying, give me your attention. What I'm about to say is foundational to everything else I'm going to teach you. Miss this and you'll misinterpret so much other stuff of me. And I look around the church world today and I kind of feel like, you know what, we've got this burning desire for the power of God, don't we? Every one of us. If, if I, we surveyed here, every one of us would say, I, I want to, I, I look at the book of Acts and I want that. I want to see that. Unless you've got some theology that says there's a use-by date on that. I can't find it. I've gone front to back. I can't find a use-by. But if you've got that theology, that's fine. I'm not going to challenge that or go there with that. But I'm just going to say that most people sitting here, I'm sure, that you read that book and we go, man, I really want to see that. I, 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 I hear about this stuff overseas and, they, and it happens in China. And, but why not here? I want to see God move to the degree and the way in which I, I read in the Bible and I hear about it in other people's lives and other places and so on. And Jesus, I think, is saying in this parable there's a key foundation thing here that we need to tap into if we ever want to see any of that stuff come to pass. If we want to actually get the meat and the meaning of what Jesus taught and live this Christian life the way that the early believers did, we've got to grasp this thing that he's trying to teach us in this parable. This is how serious he is about it. And then he goes on, he talks about a farmer sows seed and and, and then he explains it for us later on in uh, verse 13 of Mark 4. He says to him, if you can't understand the meaning of this, how will you understand all the parables? And then he goes on and explains. He says, the farmer plants seeds by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. Hear the message. Only to have Satan come all at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who 
Hear the message. Hear the message. And immediately we receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long, they fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word. There's, there's a common theme going on here. Everybody's hearing something. Everyone's hearing God. Everyone's hearing the Spirit speak. As in the Spirit is speaking to everybody. They're hearing God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is produced. And then look at the last one. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept. There's a common theme here. The farmer goes out and he sows and he throws seed out. The seed is good. Rob, you do some farming. When you go out and you sow seed, and you, you, you might get a good bit of crop here and not so good there, but, but if you knew you were going to get a rubbish crop here, you wouldn't waste your time, would you? You shouldn't, because seed costs money. I mean, you're in this business to make money. When, when, a, when a farmer goes out and he sows, he is doing it with expectation that there will be a yield for his time, his effort, and his energy. And when the farmer goes out and throws this soil, there's these four different soil types. One produces a big crop, the other three don't. You know what? I don't think he expected that not to be produced. Otherwise, why would he throw seed there? He wouldn't do it. He wouldn't go, well, look, I'm going I'm to throw it over here and I'll get, a great, I'll get a crop here, this 25%. That 75% of ground is so uh, unfertile, it literally can't grow anything. I'm going to go and throw 75% of my seed over there. <laughs> Who does that? Unless, of course, he expected, no, no, it's just as possible to get growth over here as what it is over here. See what I'm saying? The expectation of growth was there from the farmer. The expectation of growth was there when he threw the seed out. And when God comes and God speaks to us, you know, he does it with an expectation of growth. He does it with an expectation that that word will take root in our hearts and produce something. God expects his word to actually produce. I mean, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? You know, when Jesus preached and taught the crowds, he expected that he would get fruit out of it. He didn't preach to the crowds and then with the Pharisees justify it and go, well, but it's okay because your soil's wrong, so I understand why you won't receive it. I understand why, you know, because you've got a reason. He didn't do that. From the, the, the lowest of the low, from the prostitutes, the tax gatherers, the sinners, the fishermen, the, the bankers, to the Pharisees. When he threw that seed out, he did it with 100% expectation there's got to be fruit here. And nobody come to me and, 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 and think that I'll go, oh, but I understand why, you know, you've... No, no, I'm expecting some kind of fruit here because my word is powerful. It doesn't return a void. It says in, in uh, Isaiah 50, 55, verse 10 to 11, and Isaiah is speaking uh, to the nation of Israel. So it's a prophetic word to the nation of Israel, but the principle stands the same today with God's word. It says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens... And stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. He says this, it's the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. You know, I can throw God's word out, me, and not necessarily produce fruit. 
Because it doesn't say in there that, that when I send God's word out, it will always produce fruit. How many of us have ever heard people take the word of God and twist it and manipulate it? And, you know? People say, well, it doesn't matter how you, you throw it out, the God's word. Well, hang on. He's being specific here and, he's, and God's saying, speaking on his own behalf, saying when I send my word out, it will always produce something. When I send my word out. And when the Holy Spirit comes to us and he speaks to us, to our lives, to our situations, to our future, he's sending his word out and he's expecting fruit. See, we live in a world where words are, I mean, they're so cheap, really. Now, we, we, what is the statistics? Men say, you know, 2,000 words a day or whatever. Um, you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> Safety in numbers, men. <laughs> but we just throw words out willy-nilly. We just... All over the place. God's very specific with his words. Words aren't cheap to God. God used words to create the universe. He said, let there be. Let there be. Words have creative power in them. And so when God speaks, he's speaking out creative power into your life, into your situation, into your circumstances. He's saying something to you because he's thought about it. He just doesn't go, oh, throw a word out and then later on go, yeah, I wish I hadn't said that. I do that all the time. Anyone else do that? Always, you get in a situation, I just say something because my emotions get in the way or I'm pumped or excited or something. I love Benji Marshall. You know, now think about it later on and go, I don't really love him, I don't even know him. What I meant was, yeah, he's a good football player, but I don't know. But we just sometimes throw this, but God doesn't. He sends his word out and he says, it won't return void, it'll do exactly what I want it to do. It will accomplish all I want it to do and it'll prosper where I send it. So when God speaks, when God sends the seed of his word out, just like the farmer in Mark chapter 4, he's actually expecting a harvest. He's expecting a harvest. Okay? God's word brings a harvest. I want to just ask us two questions, quick questions today. Next week, I want to look a little bit more specifically at the soil types. It's, it's quite interesting. And Rob, you can correct me with soil. But it's interesting. But I felt like when I was putting this together that to start with, God just asked me two questions. And here's what he said. First question, are you expecting God to speak? I want to ask you that. Are you expecting God to speak to you? Are you actually expecting that God wants to speak into your situations? Are you in expectation of the word of God coming to you? See, the Holy Spirit is like the farmer. He's running around now with a seed back. And he's chucking seeds out. Do you think he goes past you for whatever reason and not interested in your situation or your circumstance? I mean, you're only in this because of your own, you know. So move on. Are you expecting God to speak to you? Expecting God to say something to you? How many of you parents... When you tell your kids something, why do you do that? Are you expecting some kind of response? Are we expecting some kind of action out of our kids? Are we expecting some kind of fruit out of what I'm asking them to do or asking them not to do or the direction I'm giving them or whatever? Am I looking for some kind of response from them and maybe an attitude adjustment or behavioural change? 
uh, an action that we want them to do or stop. Now, what if they replied to you, well, thank you, that's great to know. How old would that get after a while? Thanks for that, it's great to know. And they just go on their merry way and do their own thing. That's all right, it's good to know. I don't think you'd be very happy about that. Why would you not be happy? Because you weren't telling them to simply pass on information. Because information doesn't change people. We live in a world that's full of information. We are right now in a church age that's got more information than we know what to do with. If you want to, go home and you find Christian radio, Christian TV, Christian books, Christian podcasts, Christian... Seeds being thrown out everywhere all over the shop. Nothing wrong with that. Get into it. It's great. It's wonderful. Fill your head with it and so on. But what I'm talking about here is, is the farmer is throwing a seed at you. Are you expecting him to speak to you? Do you have that expectation that he's going to speak to you? God's not in the information only business. Just like the farmer's not just chucking seed over there so it won't produce. He's chucking it there expecting that something's going to happen. There's going to be fruit that comes from that. And so is God when he comes and he speaks to us. Are you expecting God to speak to you today? Right now, you've come to church this morning. Are you fulfilling your duty? Are you actually sitting here this morning and when we come and we open the word of God, are you going, God, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm fertile. So what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to speak in the moment? Or, or is it just routine and ritual and, and what we do? Are we expecting God to speak to us? The second question I want to ask is what are you going to do when he does? What are you going to do when he does? When God comes to you and he speaks to you and he says something to you, what are we going to do when he does? See, in that parable of the soils, there's, there's, there's four kinds of soil. The first one is easy. You know, it goes in, Satan takes it away, nothing happens. We get that. The last one looks pretty easy. It goes on in, fertile soil. He says, here's the word, he accepts it. And produces fruit. The two in the middle are kind of a bit awkward, aren't they? They're like, what do you do with those? What do you do with them? But the first one, eh, nothing happens. The last one, we produce fruit. And we understand that. And we get that. Are you going to... Do you think that when God speaks to you, what you do will produce either nothing or it will produce something? When God speaks to you, and you action what God says, it can produce fruit. When we do nothing, what do you think happens? So here's, here's one of the, the, the fallacies, I guess, with, with, with Western church. I'm picking on Western church because I'm here. I'm a Western. I'm including myself in this. We think knowing stuff is what it's about. And so God comes and speaks to us. And he speaks the word to us and he speaks into our life, our situation, our whatever. And here's what happens. It goes on into the soil of our heart. Now the first one that produces no soil says Satan comes and takes it away and nothing happens. God speaks to us and then we go away and if we do nothing with that, here's what happens. Satan comes and he picks up that seed and he takes it away. We've done nothing with it. We've just heard it. But what happens is two weeks, three weeks, a month down the track, we still remember the word. Right? We remember the teaching about loving our neighbour. Uh, we remember the teaching about forgiveness. Because we had a great teaching about forgiveness. But when I left the room and went away, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't go and forgive my mother or my father who hurt me. 
I didn't go away and, and forgive that person that's offending me at work. Or I, I did nothing with it. I locked it in my head and went, that's fantastic notes, that's great, that's wonderful, that's excellent stuff. I did nothing with it. And because I did nothing with it, it didn't take root in my heart. It didn't become a part of my experience. And what happens is the enemy comes and he takes it away. But we think it's okay because we still remember the facts. We still remember the message. If I was to survey you in this room, say, how many things do you remember you've been taught since the day you got saved? We would probably remember multiple fantastic things. That's why when we see somebody else, we're very quick to know the answer to the question, the problem. We know how you deal with that situation. Here's what you've got to do. and Here's what the Bible says. But have we done it? Have we done it? Because if we haven't done it, then there's been no fruit production in our own life in that area, but we still know stuff, and so we feel like we're doing okay. Does that make sense? It's not about what we know, because what we know doesn't change anything. And nothing becomes a part of our world until we start doing something with that information that God is doing. So when God comes and speaks to us, we can go, oh, God, that's brilliant, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Then get up and go on with our life and not do anything with it, and 12 months later, we're recounting the story, going, I remember being in that meeting and the Lord spoke to me and said this. But it's coming out of here. It's not coming out of here because I didn't go and do anything with it. So it didn't really produce any fruit. It just filled my head. Just like the Pharisees. You knew all this stuff up here, but there was no real fruit in their life. Because when Jesus did come, they might have heard what he was teaching. They didn't do anything. They just walked away. What's the dominant voices in our world? What are we listening to? You know... I quite often in my years of being a pastor and teaching and preaching and so on would have people come up and say, oh, that was a fantastic message last week. Really, really loved it. And you know, I've, I've asked them, oh, what did you, like? you get out of it? Oh, no, it was just, it was just really good. <laughs> Excellent. That's a dead seed. It was just really good. Now, last week, when God spoke to you, you knew exactly what he said. But you know what happens when you get up and you... When I used to work for Dan Murphy's, I used to go to courses, management courses and leadership courses and things like that. You know what I would do? First of all, I would go into that meeting expecting to hear something that was going to help me. I would expect to hear something that was going to help me, something that was going to be useful to me in my position, in my job. I would go in there. Now, I don't want anyone to read into this. I'm not picking at anybody, but this is just how I operate. So what I would do when I went in there, because I was expecting to be spoken to and to hear something useful, I'd have a notepad and a pen. That's what I would do. Because I also knew that I'm going to hear something here that might be really, really good and then there's going to be a whole bunch of other information and it, it's how easy is it to lose that crucial piece of information? How easy is it to lose, the, lose sight of that one crucial word, that one crucial voice because of there's so much more information? And then you're going to get up from that meeting and I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to have a little bit of road rage at the guy that didn't indicate... And then my belly's going to be hungry, so I'm going to pull into McDonald's. They're going to give me a fillet of fish. They will never put the, the, the fish on the middle. It's always hanging off with cheese hanging off. And it's like, makes me mad. Then I'm going to get back on the highway and think, I've got to go back and change it, but I can't because it's 10 k's down the road before I can turn around. I can't be bothered. So then I'm grumpy. Then I'm hungry. Then I just want to get... And by the time I get home, guess what? It's gone. So I would write it down. So that when I did get home, the next day or whatever, I could go back to that and go, okay, now, let me have a look at this because I don't want just information. What am I going to do about this? Because I live in a world where information can get lost, where words get crowded out. You know, God could speak to you right now this morning. He could say something to you and we think because God said it, 
we won't forget it. We think just because God chucks a seed in your lap, it's going to always produce the kind of fruit. See, Jesus said this, his word, it will produce fruit. But the kind of fruit that's produced, we play a role in that. So God speaks to you this morning, he tells you something. And it's a word for you. It's something that can change your life. Because God doesn't just chuck his seed out willy-nilly. He's going, man, I've got this for you, bang. And there's an enemy straight away hanging around going, as soon as I get a chance, if I can get into you and take that away from you, before you get a chance to let it take root in the soil of your heart and change your life, I will do that. He is committed to taking that seed straight back out. And here's what's interesting. God lets him do it. God lets him do it. Jesus said that. He said the farmer sows a seed and, and the birds of the air come down. And Jesus himself said the birds of the air are Satan. He comes in and he takes the word away. Satan comes and takes away the very word that God himself spoke to you. God said it. And Satan can take it away. I mean, it's bizarre. Surely if God says it, there's nothing that Satan can do about it. Yet Jesus says, no, he can. He can. He can come on in and he can take that seed away and take that word out of your life if you don't do what needs to be done with that seed to get that down into the root of your heart. James chapter 1. You want to whack that up on the board for me there? James chapter 1, verse 21 to 25. Jesus, uh, James sorry, writes this. He says, Get rid of all filthiness and evilness in your lives. Humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart. There it is. God's planting it in your heart. Humbly accept the word that God has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. He doesn't say it will definitely save your soul. He says it has the power to. There's power in that word. But you've got a part to play in this. Rid of all filth, humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. And here's the thing, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Just like the person who hears all the messages. It goes in their head, but they do nothing with it. And two years later, they go, geez, I'm so much more closer to God because I have so much more Bible knowledge. I know so many more scriptures. I've memorized 52 scriptures this year because I memorized one a week and so on. And God's gone, yep, yeah, but I've chucked seed into your lap and nothing's happening with it. Nothing's going on. It's not taking root and there's no fruit in your life except for a bunch of knowledge in your head about me, but you're not doing anything I'm asking. And the only way change comes about is when you take that word of God, you take that seed, you let it take root in your heart by doing it. Doing it. If God speaks to you about forgiveness, forgive. If he speaks to you about faith, step out. If he speaks to you about giving, give. He speaks to you about loving, love. If he speaks to you about repentance, repent. speaks to you about praying for someone, pray for them. If he speaks to you about asking for prayer, ask for prayer. Because it's the only way that the word of God takes root in your life and produces a crop 30, 60, or 100 fold. I'll finish with this and we'll wrap it up for this week. Mark chapter 4, right at the end of this parable where he talks about this seed. Here's what he says. In verse 24 and 25, it says, Then he added, Pay close attention to what you hear. Here it is again. Pay close attention to what you hear. The dominant voice in your life. Pay close attention to what you hear. Here's why. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given. And you will receive more. Hear the word of God. What is he saying? Do you do it? And guess what he says? I'll come and chuck another seed at you. I'll give you another solution, another answer. I'll show you more things. Go on to the next verse. He says, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Watch this. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have 
will be taken away from them. Even the little bit of understanding that you have will be taken away. We don't see that. We think, no, no, I haven't lost anything because I've got it all up here. He says, then you've lost it because I didn't plant the word of God in your head so that you could be smart. I planted the word of God in your heart so you could produce fruit. I'll ask those two questions again. Are you expecting God to speak to you? Are you expecting him to speak to you? Second question, what are you going to do when he does? Because that's the difference between being the first soil, where nothing happens and Satan takes the seed away, and being the fertile soil who heard the word of God, accepted it, and produced a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. That's the goal of God. God wants you. Jesus said, bear fruit. It's the will of God for you to bear fruit. How do you bear fruit? Not by being more religious. You bear fruit by listening to God and doing what God is saying to do. That's how you bear fruit. It's, it seems unspiritual and very simple. You know, and there must be a better way to do it. And if I could find it out, I could write a book about it and make millions and go on the touring circuit. But Christianity is very simple. God speaks, we obey, and it produces fruit in our life and change. Amen? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. God, I pray... Uh, Lord, just as we're, 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 we're talking about God, that we would have ears to hear, God, what the Spirit of God is saying. That, Father, we'd have ears to hear what is it that you're planting in our hearts, God. Because, Father, you're not interested in... God, you're just not interested in our knowledge and what we know and all the facts and figures in our head. God, you want to see fruit down here on planet Earth and you're scattering seed out there. And, God, we're a, we're a soil, God. Our heart is fertile and... God, speak to us, I pray. God, what are the things maybe you've said to us in the past that we've just locked into our head and we've let it go? Father, what are the, 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 the words that you've spoken to us already, God? What are the things that we've left undone that we've just been happy to hear from you or we've just been happy to have an answer but we've done nothing? God, I pray this week, God, as we go through the week, Lord, you'd begin to stir back up in us, God, again, an expectation, Father, that you are going to speak to us, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, that you want to give us solutions, you want to give us answers. But also, God, give us the faith and the courage to actually be bold enough to do something with the things that you are saying to us because in that we will see fruit in our lives, Father. God, I pray this week, God, give us an opportunity, each of us in this room, to share the love of God with somebody that doesn't know you too. Father, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless you. It's hot in here, isn't it? We've got no AC on, have we? You know, I'm sweating up here like you wouldn't believe. Anyway, maybe it's the anointing, I don't know. Must be God. Anyway, have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you here next week. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you in Connect Groups. And don't forget our barbecue. We'll give you more information about it next week.